not, we'll probably be wrapping this up in a little bit. Uh, we've uh, been spending the summer on Wednesday evenings in the Psalms, and so uh, tonight we're going to pick up where we left off last Wednesday, uh, back in Psalm 27 and uh, verse 11. So uh, we've been talking about facts and follies about God's will. So this is just part two. All right. So let's read once again uh, from Psalm 27:11, and then I'm going to have you uh, join me in a minute uh, over in Proverbs. So uh, if you want to go ahead and stand for the reading of the word, and then uh, we will uh, just uh, allow the Lord to uh, hopefully just share with us tonight on regarding his will and direction and protection. Uh, and uh, so Psalm 27, Psalm 27 and verse 11, we believe this is a Psalm of David. So he says, teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Lead me in a plain path. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it shares with us truths that transform. It shares with us instruction that will inspire and motivate us to discern the will of God. And Lord, not only to know your will, but to obey your will. For obedience is better than sacrifice. So Lord, be with us once again as we look to your word. Touch our hearts. Let these truths take root and bring forth fruit. In Jesus' name, all God's family say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So last week we saw in this chapter how the psalmist I, I shared with you, uh, from my point of view, um, engages in about three conversations, which uh, was, I think, helping him balance uh, the ups and the downs of life. And so I said he converses, first of all, with himself about privileges, and that's verses 1 through 6. Then he converses with the Lord about problems. That was verses 7 through 12. And then finally, he converses with himself again about perseverance. Okay. And so for the sake of time, our study has been uh, limited to David's uh, second conversation, his conversation with the Lord about uh, some problems that he was experiencing. One of those problematic concerns, we said, was God's direction and God's protection in his life. So this psalm, we said, can be seen as a plea or a prayer for help, and ultimately uh, it became a declaration of belief in the direction and protection of, that God alone provides his children. So last week, if you recall, we debunked several myths or follies uh, surrounding discerning God's direction and his will. And if you recall, the last statement on, I believe it was your last statement on your study guide, uh, read like this, the best way to discern God's will is to get to know him better. 
And so tonight, I, I want us to expand on that statement because uh, to do so, I, I want to solicit the help of an important passage. Uh, and so we're going to go out of the book of Psalms for a few minutes tonight. Uh, and we're going to venture over into the book of Proverbs because there's, the, there's an important passage in Proverbs that I want us to uh, kind of just hook up to for a few minutes tonight while we talk about this topic, okay? So uh, it's Proverbs chapter 3. It's a very well-known uh, passage. It's Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6, okay? So let me, uh, let me just read it to you for a moment here, and then we will uh, just do our best to look into it. Okay, so Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, if you, you probably memorized it by now, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Verse 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. In 75% of your ways, he'll direct your path. Is that what it says? No. So what I want us to do, this passage is so simple. Probably the youngest believer can understand it, and yet it is such a comfort to the oldest saint of God. It's, it's been the hope and the encouragement of God's people across the generations uh, for centuries. And these words, I don't know about you, but I, I want my soul to cling to them because they speak to a great need that we all feel and experience. It's the need for God's guidance. And after all, there is no greater question, I think this is on your study guide, there's no greater question than, Lord, what do you want me to do? Or, Lord, what would you have me to do? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 suggest the, the basis or foundational stones upon which God's guidance comes to God's children. And, uh, and this really, these two verses is a short chorus uh, in knowing God's will for your life. And applying this passage in daily life will make, a, I think, a profound difference when we face hard decisions, tough uh, choices. And most of us have known these verses for a long time. You probably sung them in a chorus or you memorized them in a Bible class or maybe in your personal uh, quiet time. And sometimes, I, I was thinking this afternoon, sometimes, folks, when we know a passage so well, it loses its power to amaze us. Right? Which, I mean... It's just the being familiar with it. We just kind of randomly pass over it. But I want us to pause and ponder. There's, a, there's an old word, ponder. Everybody say ponder. ponder. Let's, let's, let's pause and ponder what it means for us tonight to do exactly what the writer in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us. So we're going to break it down 
Let's look at five keys that reveal the mystery of God's will for our lives. Okay? Five keys that reveal the mystery of God's will for our life. Number one, rest all that you are upon all that God is. Rest all that you are upon all that God is. The verse says, trust. Everybody say trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Now, before we get into the meaning of trust, I, I just was thinking, for some people, they think God's will is lost. They say things like, I'm searching for God's will. And I know what they mean. I've said it myself. Right? But if we're not careful, we'll get the idea that God is sort of a universal Easter bunny. And he runs around, you know, he runs around the universe and he stashes his will in a supernatural bush somewhere. And we run through our life with God up in heaven saying, warmer, warmer, colder, colder, right? But is, is that really the game that God plays with us? I don't think so. For other people, the will of God is much more dramatic. Like they, you know, expect to be, you know, walking down the sidewalk one day and slip on a banana peel and fall on a map of South Africa. And that was God's way of saying, you're going to South Africa. Okay, God, would you help me up? <laughs> and they feel a big unseen hand lift them back up. You know, and, and that's, that's fine. If God reveals himself in a dramatic way, we celebrate that. Amen. Right? But how many know he, he doesn't do that all the time? Others expect to be hit in the head with a pillow in the middle of the night and hear the voice of angels singing in their bedroom. A song about India or whatever. Well, that's God's will then, right? For other people, the will of God is such a serious thing, they're afraid of it. They're actually mortified. They look at God as if He's some sort of cosmic killjoy. He wants to take everybody and stick them in a monkey tribe in Africa. And no matter whether you want to or not, that's the will of God for you, and that's it. And, and they have this idea that God's will always wants to cross-grain them. Do you know what I mean? So there are some people, they're afraid of the will of God. They're afraid that God wants to cross-grain them and, and make them do something that they've never wanted to do, and, and so they... They, they're, they're not going to trust him. So they're not going to do exactly what this passage tells them to do right out of the gate. Because in English, the word trust means rely upon or to have confidence in. But in the Hebrew, it takes it a step further. It's stronger than that because in the Hebrew... The word trust means to rest your full weight upon. Okay? 
So that's what you do when you lie down on your bed every night, right? Or do you leave one leg out holding yourself up? Huh? You're not going to get much rest if you're trying to concentrate on holding yourself up. No, we lay our full weight on the bed because we know it will hold us up. So to trust in the Lord means to rest all that you are upon all that he is. Hallelujah. Rest all that you are upon all that he is. That's point number one. Key number two, you got to go all in. Hmm? So trust in the Lord with 65% of your heart. No. Trust in the Lord with all. There's that word again. And then here's the word heart. And the word heart here doesn't refer to the organ that pumps blood throughout our body. Because in the Bible, the word heart, notice on your study guide, refers to the decision room where life makes up its mind. Does that make sense? Another passage from the psalm, Psalm 86, 11, I believe it is. The psalmist prayed and said, Unite my heart to fear your name. In other words, God, give me an undivided heart that I may serve you correctly. And I like that prayer because many days I feel distracted. I feel divided. I feel scattered in a thousand different directions. How many know what I'm talking about? You ever felt that? I'm sure you have. A divided heart, though, has no focus. And the unfocused, divided heart will never trust the Lord fully. And that is an issue because the result will be they will never discover God's will. So you have to go all in, right? Trust the Lord with all your heart. you got to go all in for Christ. If so, you're on your way to discovering God's will. Now, uh, where are we at? Key number three. Here's a good one right from the text. Don't think you can figure it out on your own. Because that's what the verse says when it continues on. It says, lean not to your own what? Understanding. So to lean means to rest upon something for partial support. Right? Leaning is what we do when we walk with a cane. Or we hold on to a walker because we're unsteady. The Hebrew word was used for leaning against a tree or leaning against a stone wall. We lean on something when we're not strong enough to stand alone. And so the word understanding here in the text refers to the mental processes by which we analyze a problem. 
It's the process of breaking something down into smaller parts and then making a decision about what we're going to do. And so early in the morning when you make your list of all the things you need to do that day, you use your understanding, right? To sort out your priorities. For the organized folks among us, it's what you do on maybe Sunday night when you map out your upcoming week. Right? That's your understanding. We use it any time we plan our life or solve a problem. Our understanding is the decision-making ability God has given us, and I'm glad for that. Okay? It has its place. Okay? But when we take the word lean, put it with the word understanding, and add the negative that the text has, as in do not lean, then we get this meaning that is, use all your mental powers, because how many know God wants us to do that? Use all your mental powers, but do not lean on them for total support. Right? So use your brain, but don't think you're smart enough to figure out God's will on your own. Make your plans, yes, but leave room for God. Remember Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. So we make our plans, but it is the Lord who decides where we will go. Lean on the Lord, not on your own reason. Rest all your weight on Him. Right? Where are we at? Key number four. Number four. Know God deeply. In all your ways, here's the phrase, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Now this deserves a little extra consideration because the word acknowledge is, is uh, there in the Hebrew. It is a command. So we could translate this phrase by saying, in all of your ways, know him deeply, intensely, extremely, profoundly, acutely, genuinely, totally, sincerely, truly, seriously, significantly, completely, exceedingly. Oh, come on. You get the idea, don't you? It's the kind of knowing that comes with personal interaction. Personal experience. I'm not talking general. We're not talking general here. For instance, somebody might ask me, Pastor, you know the governor of Ohio? I'd say, sure, I know Governor Dwight. If he walked in this sanctuary tonight, I would know who he is as long as he didn't sit all the way in the back. 
My vision's not going to be able to see that far very good. But um, the point is, if I, if I heard his voice in the media, I think I'd recognize it. If I, if I saw his picture on the, in the newspaper, I, I wouldn't know it's Governor DeWine, right? But the truth is, I really don't know Governor DeWine. I don't. I mean, I don't have his personal cell number in my cell contact list where I can call him up and say, Hey, Gov, this is Pastor Matt. Let's do lunch this week. Huh? He wouldn't take my call because I don't know him personally. I just know him generally. Hmm? So that's one kind of knowing, general knowing, general knowledge. But this text is talking about another kind of knowing. Now, my wife and I know each other in a completely different way. We've known each other personally, deeply, for over 20 years now. Thankfully, she's put up with me. And those of you that's been married for a while, how many agree some strange things can start happening in your relationship after you've been together several years? And by strange things, I mean, I'll start a sentence and my wife can finish it before I do. All right? She knows what I'm thinking even before I say it. Our kids will go and ask her a question, and she'll say something like, you'll have to ask your dad, but I'll tell you what he's going to say. Huh? Seen, seen in that light, we might translate verse 5 this way, in all your ways, know God intimately, know God deeply, know Him personally, and in time, hello? In time, you'll be able to tell what he's going to say. Hello. You know, uh, some people come to me and they ask for advice. And, and sometimes I have to conceal my laughter. I don't mean to be f rude, but I'm like, seriously, do you think that God would even allow you to think that way or do that? You must not be serving the same God. Right? I'm telling you what. Whew. But see, when we know God deeply in all of our ways, do you know what that means? It means in every area of your life. If you know God deeply in every area of your life, no area is, is got a no entrance sign displayed on it. No. If you know him deeply and intimately in every area of your life, he will direct your path. That's a promise. So if we're having a hard time finding and following the will of God, we we. That may mean that we need to focus on building a deeper, richer, right? More intimate relationship with God. Because one of the fruits of a deep, rich relationship is knowing 
what the other is going to say. Right? No God like that. Because often we skip over that. When we get up in the morning, we say, Lord, help me. I'm, I'm, I'm a busy man today, or I'm a busy lady. I've got so much to do. I don't have time to pray. So here's my list. Bless it, Lord. I've got to go. So we throw up our list toward heaven when we run out the door. We're basically saying, God, here's my schedule. Just rubber stamp it with your blessing. Hmm? And then we wonder why our days are filled with aggravation and frustration. Many of us go through life leaning almost completely on our own understanding because we like to be in control. And I, I'm, I number myself among that group. I love to know what's going on. Right? This passage is a warning to all of us who make our plans and then say, here, God, just stamp it with your blessing because I'm going out and, and I'm going to do it for you. Oh, we got to make it sound spiritual. God says, but wait a minute. I don't work that way. You need to know me first. Put me first in everything including all of your plans, all of your thinking, all of your dreams, then I'll make your path straight. Get to know God. Do you want to know the secret of knowing the will of God? Here it is. In everything you do, know God intimately. But too often we want to, oh, don't we like formulas in this generation? Oh, we want a formula. I just need a, Pastor, I want a three-step plan. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us the secret. Notice this on your study guide. To the will of God is a deep relationship with God. That's the formula. Let's, uh, let's uh, use an example here. Uh, I'm looking around. I don't think we got any bills in the house, do we? Bill? Bill, are you here? Okay, we'll use Bill. Okay, Bill, let's, let's talk about Bill. Let's say Bill has been dating Shirley. We got any Shirleys in the house? We'll use the name Shirley. So Bill has been dating Shirley, let's say for at least nine months. So he picks her up on their Friday night date. And she gets in and she asks the logical question. Where are we going tonight, Bill? And Bill replies, I don't really know. I'd like to take you someplace you'd really like, Shirley, but would you just give me a three-step formula <laughs> so I could really know what you like to do on Friday nights? Now, how do you think Shirley would feel? Huh? Anybody got an idea? I think I have an idea. She'd probably be a little concerned, maybe a little frustrated. I envision her thinking something like, how is it that we've been dating every Friday night for nine months and you don't even know what I like? Hello? Bill? Bill? Where you been all this time? 
right? She would have the right to be a little bothered. Right, ladies? Now, okay, so we wouldn't do that in our relationship that we value down here. But yet we want to reduce our relationship with God to that kind of formula. But God says, you know me by spending time with me. Putting me first in every area of your life. Because when you do that, I'll take care of all the other details. Praise God. Is this making sense? Because we're, we're hung up on the decisions of life. Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I live in Cleveland or South Carolina? Should I marry Jane, Sue, Ellen, or Sherry? Should I take the job? Should I stay where I'm at? See, the teaching of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in one sentence is this. Notice it on your worksheet. God cares more about who you are than where you are. Hmm? Because the question is not where you're going to go, but what kind of person are you going to be whenever you get there? It's not always a matter of relocation. It's a matter of relationship. If you decide to put God first in everything, in a sense, it's not going to matter where you live. And if you don't put God first in everything, it doesn't matter where you live either. Because you will not have the blessing of God either way. We focus all of our energy on decisions, but God says, know me and I'll take care of those details. We want a specific direction. God says, in all your ways, know me. Everything else is falling, will fall into place. So knowing God means use all of your energies for him. Lord, here are my hands. Work through them. Lord, here are my lips. Speak through them. Here are my eyes. See through them. Here are my ears. Hear through them. Lord, here are my feet. Step through them. Right? Knowing God means taking all that you have and placing it at the disposal of the King of Kings. Well, I almost got hung up on that key. We better go on to number five, hadn't we? Number five is when you need to know, you'll know. Why? The phrase says, he shall direct your path. That phrase can be translated like this. He'll make straight your paths. Imagine you're driving along a road that appears to be impassable. The road winds through the mountains, down into the swamps. It seems like it has a thousand switchbacks. As you travel on, you discover portions of the road are washed out, others filled with potholes, and still others blocked with huge boulders. In some places of the road, it's a dead end. How many know that's a lot like our lives? That's the road of our lives. It appears to be covered a lot of times with boulders and rocks. Some parts of it seem to be filled with potholes and other sections appear to be going nowhere. That's the way life is sometimes. 
here is God's message to us, though. If we will know him in every area of our life, he will take personal responsibility to make our way straight. He's going to go up before us. He'll go before us and he'll remove the obstructions when they need to be removed. Right? He'll fill in the potholes when they need to be filled in. He will direct or redirect the detour so that what seemed to be a dead end turns out to be the shortest way to reach our destination. See, if we live according to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we'll end up in the right place. And that's the promise that God makes to us. Somebody ought to say praise God. It won't always be easy. It won't always come quickly. For most of us, most of the time, the exact opposite may be true. Rarely, maybe, will we know God's plan in advance. I think it was uh, writer Philip Yancey. He defined faith as, quote, believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. And many of us struggle at that point. And you say, Pastor, what do I, I mean, what if I don't know today what I need to do tomorrow? Well, how many know that sentence describes nearly us, nearly all of us all the time? Only God knows the future. One pastor said that when people ask him, Pastor, does, does God have a blueprint for my life? He tells them, yes, he does, but it's locked away on the fourth floor of the administration building in heaven, and I don't know of any way you can get a copy. Huh? God usually reveals his will one step at a time. When we need to know, we'll know. Not one day sooner, not one day later. If today you don't know what to do next week, it's because you don't need to know yet. Because if you needed to know, you would know. If God is God, that fact must be true. Even when we are confused, I'm thankful God is not. He knows where he wants us to end up. God is able to remove all the obstructions in front of us. He's able to fill in the potholes and turn a dead end into a four-lane highway. And God rewards those who show regard for him by leading them to the right places and removing the obstructions along the way. The truth is, boy, isn't life a mysterious journey? Isn't it? Full. How many could say it's full of unexpected twists and turns? Because the path ahead, it's mysterious to all of us. No one can say for sure what is around the next bend. It may be a smooth road through an enchanting valley, or it may be a bridge is washed out. And we have to find a way to cross a deep river. Often the road will seem to disappear or it may suddenly branch off in three different directions and we won't know which way to go. Listen, but there is one who knows. And how many know he knows the way? Because, listen, 
the past, the present, and the future are all the same to him. Did you hear that? The past, the present, and the future are all the same to God. The darkness to him is as the light of day. He knows where we should go. He promised to direct our path. And somebody say, he's a promise keeper. We can count on it. The Lord will not leave us alone on our journey from earth to heaven. When we need to know, we'll know. If God is God, that must be true. All right, in conclusion, there are many ways to seek God's will. I want to leave you with six principles that seeking God's will, uh, six principles, excuse me, for seeking God's will in any situation. Because these are intended to be used together rather than individually, okay? So it can be dangerous if you make a decision based on the principle you feel strongly about and you ignore the other five. Did you get that? Step number one, you want to know God's will. You start by surrendering your personal desires. Because as you seek God's will, it's important to be sure you are fully open to whatever God wants. Yikes. Huh? If you have actually decided to do something and you're only coming to God so he can approve of your decision as we talked about earlier, how many know you're not really seeking his will? You're seeking a stamp of approval on your will. And you may have something in mind that you think is best and that you want to happen. That's okay. Just make sure to acknowledge that you are biased toward a certain decision or outcome. Think through why you feel more drawn to that particular option. Don't mistake your own thoughts, desires, and plans for the voice of God. To really understand what God is saying to you, be open to God guiding and directing and changing. Listen, when your desire is to follow God, when that outweighs your desire for a certain outcome, then you're, then you're on the right track. Psalm 37, I think it's verse 4, says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the what? The desires of your heart. Now this verse does not mean you will get what you want in every situation. No, no, no. But rather, if your ultimate desire is a closer relationship with God, then you will always get that desire when you genuinely seek His will. Don't ignore your emotions and desires when seeking God's will. God gives us emotions and desires, so listening to them, it's part of the process, but we shouldn't let them cloud our vision as we consider different sources of guidance and learn to surrender your desire. Sometimes we're people pleasers. Hmm? And sometimes we have this desire to please people. The Apostle Paul is at Galatians 1.10 says, Do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. He says, I can't please Christ and men at the same time. Sometimes it just doesn't work that way. So consider how your cho choices will impact others, but don't make a decision just to please others. Because following God will not always make everyone else happy. So be willing to disappoint others in your pursuit of God's will. Number two, meditate on God's word. 
Psalm 119, 105 shows us that the word can light the way as you choose your next steps. We talked about that a little while back. When you make a decision, it should line up with or at least not contradict what God has said through his word. As you read scripture, you will understand more about God's character and be better to better able to know what he desires. Listen, just as you know the things that please your close family and friends, you'll learn what pleases God as you get to know him through his word. Resist the temptation to randomly open the Bible expecting to find an answer in whatever verse you read first. Hmm? You may or may not find something that seems relevant, but it's not the same as understanding God's Word and applying its direct commands and underlying principles to your decision making. And when you find a relevant verse, read the other verses around it because there's a lot of people that pull the text kicking and screaming out of context to support their ungodly lifestyle. Listen, folks. Somebody say, thank God for this whole book. The whole book, right? So you want to make sure it applies to your situation. Number three, spend focused time in prayer. Because how many know the most obvious answer to the question, how can I know God's will for my life, is ask Him. Ask Him. Turn to God in prayer. Ask Him. And if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him. That's what James 1, I believe it's 5 and 6 says. God wants you to go through the process of seeking His will through prayer. How many know He's not trying to hide it from you? If you believe that he's hiding his will from you, you're going to struggle to see God as a loving father. Listen, his desire is for you to know his will and do his will. So when you ask him, expect an answer. Making big decisions can cause a lot of anxiety and worry, but you can turn to God with all your fears and uncertainties. As I believe it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, and as you pray and ask God what to do, write down the sense of direction that you get from him. Write it down. And, and this, this will help you avoid being overly influenced by your most recent thought because oftentimes our most recent thought will dominate our thinking and have the most influence when it may or may not merit that privilege. Hello? Be careful. Number four, seek godly people's advice. Oh, you can't underscore this enough. You need to find you mature, dedicated believers. Get a little advice. And the pieces of advice you receive, they may conflict but at least they'll give you another person's perspective to think about. But talk to godly mentors, parents, friends, church leaders. Proverbs 15:22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So ask people that you trust to pray with you on your decision. Follow up with them to see if they sense God leading in a certain way. But you are ultimately the one responsible for your decisions. How many know that's a fact? 
And you cannot rely exclusively on what other people say. They may have biases of their own clouding their vision, even if they are strong believers. They care about you, though, so they will care about what you decide. Seeking advice is wise, but don't let someone else make your decision for you. Number five, consider your circumstances. i got to hurry. Sister Jones, if you're around, you can come to the piano. How many know God can open and close doors of opportunity in our lives? You may have heard somebody say, well, God closed this door of opportunity. That's no longer an option. So, so God, not circumstances, should guide our decision making. But God may use events in our life to point us in a certain direction. Sometimes, how many know our decision is already made for us? Sometimes. When a job application is rejected, God closed that door. On the other hand, not all hindrances are closed doors. Some are just things we need to overcome as we follow and pursue the will of God. Just because it, and same, same side of the coin here, just because a door is open, how I many know it does not mean God always wants you to walk through it? Just because the door's open doesn't mean he wants you to walk through it. This is another reason to consider a number of sources when you're seeking God's perfect will. Number six, think through your decision logically with the mind of the Spirit. Because how many know God's Spirit can direct our mind, our reasoning? Sometimes we are so focused on hearing from God that we forget to use reason and the common sense voice of the Holy Spirit. Just as the Holy Spirit can influence our emotions, He can also influence our mind. And Christ promised that when the Holy Spirit came, He would teach us. He would bring all things to our remembrance that Christ had taught us. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand God's Word, following God. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians says, you need to walk in the Spirit. Somebody say that with me. Walk in the Spirit. That means let the Holy Spirit be your guide. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit in regards to the will of God is that He imparts knowledge. The Holy Spirit is given to us to teach and show us all things necessary for life and godliness. And He fits in this role because He is the mind and wisdom of God. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit is the mind and wisdom of God in the life of the believer. Praise God. That's pretty big. And if we listen to him and follow his lead, how many know we will not be disappointed? We will not regret it. Yes, God created reason. He gave us minds so we could use them. But as with all these principles, we should not rely exclusively just on our logic Proverbs 14, 15, the prudent man looketh well to his going. That means he carefully considers his steps. It's important to apply our reason with God's values rather than using our values from our culture. How many know that's a big mistake? Because in our culture, doing the thing that will be most successful or prestigious is the logical thing. But God does not value success and prestige the same way our culture does. 
Although he sometimes he can put us in a position of influence, God cares about helping us grow and using us to help others know him and experience his love and redemption. And this may come with worldly success because God can use success. I'm not saying he can't. He can use prestige for his purpose, but his purposes may be accomplished better by something that is less impressive in the eyes of our culture. So in wrapping it up, David said this in Psalm 143.10, Lord, teach me to do thy will. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Lord, teach us to do thy will. Let's stand. Father, what a joy it's been tonight to just once again visit this subject of your direction. Lord, we, we ask, oh dear God, would you would you work your will in each of us tonight? Every, every single one of us. Speak to us as individuals. May the prayer of our lives be, oh, teach us to do your will. Not just to know your will, but to do your will. To obey. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Everybody say amen. Amen. Sister Jones, what are you uh, going to share? Oh yeah, that's a good one. He leadeth me. Is that your heart's desire? Faithful follower? Why don't you tell the Lord that? Spend some time discerning his will tonight, letting him reveal it to you. Spend some time in his presence before you have to go. God bless you.